Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. We know now, and we don't know much, is that police say it was a substantive and credible plot that was thwarted. And this all went down late Thursday in Kingston. When RCMP say they moved in and raided two Kingston homes, one of which said to be lived in by a family that came to Canada in 2017 as part of a private refugee sponsorship. That 20-year-old is Hassam Al-Zahadi. He has since been released. Apparently, he is back home, not been charged, but that could change. And there is a second suspect who we don't know anything about other than they are a youth. They face terror charges, which it's very hard to charge terror charges. It's got a pretty high threshold. So clearly the police believe they've got something, but uh, they didn't tell us much today. And they did confirm they found explosive material at the scene and that they had enough evidence to move in and make the arrests. Also interesting that the investigation on this thing started in December because, oh, yes, the FBI alerted our police. I guess now they work for us. Um, But we don't know a motive, target, what was planned, just that it's been thwarted. Let's uh, try to find out more about this. Tom Quiggett, of course, you know him here on this radio station. He's a former military intelligence officer, RCMP advisor, and a court-appointed expert on jihadi terrorism in the criminal courts of Canada. You can also catch him on the uh, host of the Quiggin Report podcast. Hello there, sir. Good evening, Alex. Thanks for inviting me to uh, On Point. Well, you know what? You always seem to have a lot of information that we don't get and certainly didn't get it today from the RCMP. So they were very tight-lipped today, and I know that everyone will say, well, relax, they got an investigation to do. But my gut says that they had to act because uh, the planes tipped everybody off that there was something going on, and maybe they didn't want to do the press conference today because it didn't happen on their timeline. Um, possible, although they denied that during the press briefing. Um, although, like you pointed out, there were a couple of articles actually in the National Post and a couple of others saying, you know, this mysterious airplane is flying around, which turned out to be an RCMP Pilatus, of which I think they've got about 16 of them. But there's a couple of things that did jump out uh, in the press conference and in some of the information that came out. And I think the one that's most serious was the fact that they said the individual had begun the process of building a homemade improvised explosive device and that of course was the chemicals that they blew up in the parking lot uh, last night in Kingston. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that to me says they were probably had fairly close surveillance on it and as soon as the individual started to make the bomb perhaps it's time to move before they actually blow something up. And I say that uh, because there are sort of like three kinds of homemade explosives that are really popular with the terrorist crowd right now. One of them is called ANFO and it just stands for ammonium nitrate and fuel oil. In other words, ammonium nitrate 34O fertilizer you can buy at Canadian Tire, Home Depot and diesel oil and perhaps a little aluminum powder if you're interested in doing that. You can build a pretty decent bomb with that but that stuff is incredibly stable even when it's in the manufacturing process it remains very stable so unlikely to be ANFO last night. Now here's where it gets interesting there's two other explosives that are popular with the terrorist crowd right now one is called TATP which stands for triacetone triperoxide or something And what's fascinating about it is it's incredibly powerful. It's a high explosive. It creates about 70% more overpressure than TNT. 
The downside of it is it is incredibly unstable during the manufacturing process. It is subject to friction, which is to say you can be stirring it and it'll just go off. It's subject to shock. If you just tap the container, it'll go off and it's subject to temperature changes. So if it warms too quickly, it'll just blow itself up. Um, From the terrorist point of view, there's a bit of good news in the sense it can be made from acetone and peroxide. So if you have a shopper's drug mart in a Canadian tire in your neighborhood, get some hair bleach, some nail polish remover, and some sulfuric acid, and away you go. The bad news from the terrorist perspective and from a police perspective when you're raiding the place, like I mentioned, it's wonderfully unstable. Uh, So most terrorists happen to usually wind up blowing themselves up. I don't know if you remember the Barcelona vehicle attack, which killed a bunch of people. Those guys blew up their house the day before because they were trying to manufacture TATP, and they killed a bunch of themselves. Uh, The other possibility is something called HMTD, which is essentially the same. It's high hydrogen peroxide base to use like uh, some hydrogen peroxide, light bulbs, some wires, some aluminum foil, and away you go. You got yourself a bomb. Very popular with the suicide bomb crowd, and it's the explosive of choice for guys like Ahmed Rassam here in Canada, the guy that tried to blow up LAX, Los Angeles Airport. That was HMTD. So if the police knew this guy was making homemade explosives, uh, the guy is a threat to the house and to the neighborhood because the stuff has a tendency to go off while it's being made by an amateur. Um, I've actually seen it being made. I was on a course with the military once. They brought in the chemist from the Cirate de Quebec who demonstrated how to make TATP. He made about a teaspoon of it and set it off about 400 meters away, and it rattled us from 400 meters. It's incredibly powerful. Um, so people are asking, you know, is there something going on? Well, if this guy was starting to manufacture a bomb and it was one of these three kinds, then yeah, the RCMP would be sort of both morally and legally obliged to go in and seize this stuff before the idiot blows himself up in the house he's in. Right. Well, um, okay, so I, look, I know we work with the FBI. We're very lucky to have the neighbors uh, as, as criticized as the FBI is, but why did they have to come in and tip off, um, you know, our police uh, on this stuff. Are we not, uh, do we not have a, a, a grip on, on terror activity in this country? Um, this was just part of the, the whole, you know, sharing of intelligence. Uh, are you trying to get me in trouble here? Sorry. Okay. <laughs> First off, um, yes, we have a close working relationship within the so-called Five Eyes community, which includes America. Uh, and it's highly profitable for us to be a part of that intelligence sharing relationship with a number of agencies, including the FBI. If you recall the Aaron Driver yes. suicide bomb attempt in London, Ontario, that tip-off came from the FBI. His suicide bomb would have been successful in London, Ontario, except the FBI literally called that morning. Uh, and they captured him literally in the act of heading off to blow himself up with a suicide bomb. In this particular case, they're not giving up very much. But bottom line is, here in Canada, the direction over the last couple of years to the police forces and the intelligence agencies have been, if there is a terrorist plot involving, shall we say, certain cultural groups, um, which involves a bomb or a gun or chemicals, or whatever, then by all means, go after it, full bore, everything you got, go after them. But what they're actually being directed away from is higher level strategic investigations mm-hmm. into coaching people, training people, creating cultural centers or social centers with the political space and the social space and the cultural space for this kind of activity. They're being discouraged from doing that kind of thing, which I think is bad. Same thing's happening in the European Union. Right. And you can see it. Uh, they're good at the tactical level, but they're absolutely weak at the strategic level. Our American friends, to the contrary, tend to have a slightly different view, and they work on a much broader spectrum than we do. Plus, they have more resources uh, than we do. The other well, well, plus, they're also not pretending that there's not a problem. I mean, they, they, they don't, you know, pretend that terrorism is not an actual threat. I mean, is there something about Kingston um, that raised a red flag for you? Is, there, is, that, is that an area that would be 
Is there something there that would be a kind of a draw for someone to get involved in something like this? Not specifically. I mean, Canada's most heavily radicalized city still remains probably like Mississauga, Brampton area, the greater Toronto, uh, the GTA overall, uh, as well as parts of Ottawa, Montreal, Calgary, and Edmonton. And Kingston itself's not known to be a centre of radicalization. Uh, there's a couple of institutions in the area there which are questionable, but it's not like a heavy draw. London, Ontario, for instance, be a much more logical place for this to occur. Having said that, um, the simple reality is, given the dispersal of information now through the internet, uh, through DVDs, through any kind of communication, you can be pretty much anywhere now. You don't need to be in a concentrated area, which makes it much more difficult for police, especially the areas. CMP, which are at the moment structurally understaffed in a number of areas, uh, and this is a problem for them. The government, just an interesting little thing, the RCMP is chronically understaffed right now. It's known to be a problem. The RCMP went to Treasury Board looking for money to run about 40 new courses at their training depot over the next three years. And I think they got funding for a little over 20. Uh, so as understaffed as the RCMP is now, it's likely they're going to be more understaffed in the next two or three years because you're just not hiring to fill the replacement. So that's another real problem is if you don't have sheer bodies, what you tend to focus on is the actual tactical plots. Yeah. And you don't tend to focus on the larger strategic problems of who's funding this, who's driving it, who's creating the political space where this stuff happens. Right. And plus, it depends on if you've got a government that is is pro, um, you know, wanting to fight this stuff or if you've got a government that does not really want this to be an issue uh, to be discussed. But, you know, the RCMP were very closed uh, lip today. And, and I get that they have to preserve the, you know, the integrity of an investigation, but they literally told nothing, which makes me say, you know, why bother having it at all? Just send a press release out. Uh, the 20-year-old that we know now, Hussam al-Zahadi, um, you know, I don't want to speculate too much. He has since been released on this thing and not charged, but that could change, Correct. That could change. There's any one of a number of things going on here. One, he was arrested because he was thought to be a source of information who was close to the problem. In other words, he may have had specific knowledge of the explosives, of something going on around it. Uh, So you pick him up in the sweep in order to interrogate him based on the information you get during the sweep. The other possibility is it was just a flat-out mistake, i.e. this guy is not as close to the plot as they thought he was, or the guy has agreed to cooperate in exchange for better treatment. Uh, The other thing that's going on here is there were, the RCMP admitted, I mean, they had about 300 people involved in this and a laundry list of agencies involved, uh, and they were operating aircraft like, you know, multiple hours per day over a period of time, which is incredibly expensive, by the way, uh, and chews up a huge amount of uh, resource capability. But that by itself suggests to me there's probably more going on here than meets the eye. Given the amount of resources, given the aircraft involved and everything else, and given the fact that they detonated explosives in the parking lot, they're right there on the scene, tells me that maybe they're not quite telling us everything that's going on yet because there's probably still parts of the investigation they don't want to give away because they don't want to tip people off uh, right. who may be involved in it. So stand by and watch this space. But the uh, again, the thing that struck me the most interesting here was the RCMP actually said the guy had begun the construction of the bomb, and that's when you have to jump in because he becomes an actual threat, not just to himself, but to whatever building he's in, uh, whether he was making the stuff in a house or whatever. And the, For instance, the London Tube Bombers in 2005, they literally made that TATP explosive for the four suicide bombers that killed, I think it was about 50 people and injured 700. Yeah. They made that in a bathtub in their apartment. Jeez. Um yeah. So this is serious stuff. So when somebody starts to do that, 
you got to jump in and cut it off. Yeah. Well, we'll stay tuned and I'll keep watching your feed and see what you come up with. But we'll update the story as we get the info. Tom, thanks so much for the uh, behind the scenes look. Appreciate it. Cheers. Thanks, Alex. Good evening. That is uh, Tom Quiggan. And uh, if you ever want to follow him, you can. He's got uh, the Quiggan Report podcast that he puts out and he gives a lot of good information on that. So he's kind of a go to for me when I'm trying to look for the story behind the story when we're not getting that. On point, I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio.